Father God, when we gathered last Sunday, we heard a a powerful story that Jesus told about a, a farmer sowing seed. And we learned there about the different responses of the human heart to your word. Lord, we pray that you would come now and that you would plow our hearts where they're hard, turn them over. Where they're full of stones, remove those stones and make the soil deep and rich. Where they're full of weeds that would distract us, we pray that you would remove those and make the soil good. Lord, make us a good, fertile soil for the hearing of your word. Amen. People love to hear Jesus preach, and that's what Matthew tells us in the opening verses of Matthew chapter 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it. The crowds were so big that Jesus had to use the the prow of a, a boat as a pulpit and use the water of Lake Galilee as a natural amplification system. So what did the people hear that day? Above the lapping of the waves and the the cry of the seagulls, what was Jesus talking about? Well, Matthew tells us in the rest of chapter 13, he tells us about seven parables that Jesus told. The first is probably the best known, the parable of the the sower or the parable of the soils, and that's the one we looked at last week. In that parable, we learned about the four different responses to the word of God, and Jesus encouraged people to listen carefully whenever he was preaching or speaking. Well, what was it he was asking them to listen for? What does Jesus preach and and preach about? Well, he makes it clear in verse 19, Jesus' message is about the kingdom of God. In verse 12, he told his disciples, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. So Jesus wants his disciples and everyone else who listens to him to understand about the kingdom of God. And he wants them to understand about it so that they will enter into it. And here in chapter 13, Matthew records seven in total parables of the kingdom. The first one we looked at last week, but there are six more. Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in a field. It's like a mustard seed. It's like yeast. It's like a treasure hidden in a field. It's like a fine pearl. It's like a fishing net. So each of these parables adds another piece to our understanding of the kingdom of God. We're going to spend the next couple of Sunday mornings working our way through Matthew 13 and looking at these six parables. But before we jump in and look at any of these parables of the kingdom, let's remind ourselves quickly what the kingdom of God is. Some of you were around here, I think a couple of years ago, maybe even three years ago now, where we did a Bible overview. In the space of a few weeks, we tried to work out what the whole Bible is about And we discovered that the story of the Bible is that God is establishing his kingdom in this world. 
The kingdom of God is the place where God rules, where God is king. Human beings are citizens of the kingdom of God whenever they're God's people living in God's place under God's blessing and rule. So whenever Jesus came, he said something quite incredible. He, he spoke to crowds and he said, repent because the kingdom of God is near. He said, everything that you have been waiting for, the time when God's rule would break in in this world, it's now. It's coming in me. Because I am here, you can be citizens of the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus, the Bible teaches us, is God's appointed king. Life under Jesus is life in the kingdom of God. Well, that's all very interesting, you might say. But what's that got to do with us today? Uh, What's all this talk of the kingdom of God got to do with living in 2008 and, and particularly with trying to be a Presbyterian church? What's the kingdom of God got to do with us? I want to spend just two more minutes, and I promise you can time me if you want. That's how long this will take. Two minutes to, to think about the relationship of the church and the kingdom of God. The church and the kingdom of God aren't the same thing. Because the kingdom of God is bigger than the church. The kingdom of God, as I said a moment ago, is, is the whole rule of God. So it includes all the angels in heaven. They they existed long before this earth was created, before human life was created, and they have always lived under the rule of God. So the kingdom of God includes uh, realms such as heaven. The angels will never be part of the church. They're part of the kingdom of God, but they'll never be part of the church because the church is the community of human people who live in and under the kingdom of God. So the church is one part of the total kingdom of God. Now, the reason I wanted to explain that to you very quickly this morning is because I think it's going to help us understand the whole of Matthew chapter 13. When Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, we need to have some handle on that, some way of understanding what he's talking about. And I would suggest to you this morning that most of what Jesus says about the kingdom of God, we can apply quite directly in these cases to the church. I'll look out for any times when that's not true, uh, but particularly in the two parables we'll look at this morning, I think this works pretty well. So let's see what we can learn about life in our church from these parables of the kingdom of God. Jesus says in the parable of the weeds... That the kingdom of God is like a field where there's a healthy crop growing up and in among the healthy crop are loads of weeds. The farmhands come to the farmer and say, let's, let's get the weeds out of there. And the farmer says, no, leave the weeds well alone and we'll deal with them in the harvest. Now, in case we're in the dark about this, Jesus does something that he doesn't always do. He explains this parable, so we'll not miss too much if we stick with Jesus' explanation. Verses 36 to 43. Jesus has been sowing his seed in the world. The good plants in the parable are those who have have heard the word and have responded to his message. 
And the weeds are those who, who reject Jesus, who refuse to respond to his message. Both of these kinds of people are going to grow together in the kingdom of God until the final judgment. And at that time, God's angels will separate those who follow Jesus from those who don't and will give them each their eternal reward. Now, do you see now why this begins to become quite interesting uh, for us as a church community? So often we find ourselves in the role of these servants. Uh, We look at our church, our own congregation, other congregations known to us, and we see people at worship who aren't like us, who don't seem to believe the same things that we believe, who don't seem to live the same lifestyle that we live. And although we might never articulate this, somewhere in their heart of hearts, we're asking the question of verse 28, Lord, Do you want us to go and pull them out? Do you want us to sort this community out for you, Lord? Make sure that the right kind of people are here and the wrong kind of people aren't? Nope, says the Father in heaven. Let them both grow together until the harvest. Don't panic. I'll sort it out later. One thing that struck me just immediately reading this is that Jesus doesn't seem to panic of the presence of evil in, in the community. I find that quite interesting and quite realistic. If something bad happens in church life, somebody does something that, that we know isn't right or isn't appropriate, we don't panic. We understand that that's That's normal. That will always be the way in a human community. So that's the first lesson I think we can learn from this kingdom parable. Don't panic when you find a weed in the garden. Trust God. He will look after the good seed. He'll ensure that it flourishes if only we trust him. If this parable teaches us not to panic, I think the very clearest thing that it teaches us is not to judge it's telling how the master responds. Whenever the, whenever the servants come and say, do you want us to sort it out? What does he say? No. Because while you're pulling up the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. The master doesn't think these servants would do a particularly good job of the weeding. Friends, we, we love to evaluate We love to make our decisions. We love to judge people and things all on their relative merits. The truth is we're not all that good at it. You see, we're flawed and we're blind ourselves. Our judgments, particularly of other people, aren't very accurate. Jesus' parable here teaches us to leave judgment to God and to his angels. It doesn't say judgment's not important. Judgment is hugely important. It's so important that it's better we don't do it. And it's better that we wait for God to do it and to get it right. Don't panic. Don't judge. 
And I think there's one last implied lesson in this parable. If the servants of the farmer aren't supposed to spend their time pulling up weeds, what are they supposed to be doing? Well, I can only guess that they're supposed to be tending the good crop, ensuring that it flourishes, grows and matures, and sowing more and more seed. That's the kind of thing that we ought to be doing in our church life. God's purposes for our church isn't that we become preoccupied with judging people. Our goal isn't to make our church community totally pure, if that were even possible. I was chatting to a gentleman recently, and he'd been coming to our church occasionally for the last few months. He said he felt like a hypocrite when he was coming. He felt like a hypocrite, he said, because he had no Christian commitment. He knew that he was coming here and he wasn't a Christian. And he wondered if it was appropriate for him even to be in a place like this. I reassured him that he was in exactly the right place. I told him that we were delighted to have him along with us here at Sunday worship. And I say that to anyone here this morning. If you've been a follower of Jesus Christ for 60 or 70 or 80 years, welcome. You're welcome here to continue worshiping God and and growing as a follower of Jesus. If you're here this morning and you don't even know whether you believe in the existence of God, whether Jesus seems like a stranger in the the distance. If you're here this morning and that's you, welcome. We're delighted to have you with us. Please stay. Be, Be part of the worship here. Observe others as they worship the true and living God. Pay attention to the things that we learn here together as we study from God's word, but please understand that you're, you're entirely welcome with, with all of your questions and all of your doubts. This is a great place for you to be. Back to our church's role in all this. I think communities of Jesus Christ, if they're not to be weeding and preoccupied with their own purity, they're simply to be sowing Sowing the seed and harvesting. Doing all those active, healthy parts of the farming work. Don't panic. Don't judge. Keep sowing and tending. That's how God wants us to live in our churches. I thought we'd close this morning by looking quickly at the last of the six parables. And this is my chance to explain what I did with that reading. The last parable, I think, is is just another chance to look at pretty much the same issue. So we'll use this as a concluding thought here this morning. We've been thinking mostly about good crops and bad crops, and here the picture is of good fish and bad fish. The fisherman's net here is raised with bad fish in among the good. Now the point's exactly the same as with the parable of the weeds. It's, it's in the end, in the final judgment, it's God's angels who'll judge between the righteous and the wicked. I think the same lessons that we've learned in the parable of the weeds apply here. We don't need to panic when we find evil in the church. 
We don't need to judge who's good and who isn't. We can get on with fishing. Fishing for men and women. Calling people to faith in Jesus Christ and helping them to grow. Are there people here this morning who aren't yet following Jesus Christ? Well, to us as a community, as a whole, I say that's brilliant. I say we welcome it and we long to see more and more of it. Please know that. Please know that you can invite any member of your family or any friend or any person knowing that they're welcome and that's part of our ethos. Do we have people here whose morality is not yet the morality that Jesus teaches? Again, I hope so. Because that's a sure sign that people who don't yet know Jesus Christ and haven't yet responded to him are in a place where they're learning about him, hearing the invitation of the gospel and are being drawn to him. If you're serious, it seems to me, if you're serious about reaching people who don't know Jesus Christ, then we're, we're going to have to be comfortable of reaching people with differing lifestyles to ourselves. Evangelism's messy. If you're willing to fish with a big net, you're going to pull up all kinds of fish. We've got to grow comfortable with that. That's okay. Jesus tells us not to worry about weeds among wheat or about bad fish among good, because one day, in his own good time, he'll take care of all of that. Friends, we're not to panic. We're not to judge. And we're to keep on sowing and sowing and sowing and fishing and fishing and fishing. Let's pray.